Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time Podcast. As always, I'm your co-host, Arthur Stone, and with me as always is your co-host, Andy Hart. Andy? Hi, Art. Hi, Andy. Um, nice to see you. Nice to see you again as well, Andy. Nice to see you. Oh, no. I've been joined by Mr. Freeze. He's here to kill me. Uh, for those of you just joining us, Welcome. Thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for being here. Andy and I are, th- this is this is what's going on, right? Andy and I are two best friends in the whole wide world, and mm-hmm. we were abducted by a conspiracy theorist who goes by the name of Mr. Bunker. He's the titular bunker, and he's trapped us in his bunker, his underground doomsday prepper bunker. He's uh, abducted us, and um, every week he, he captures us, it seems. He's duped us. He's duped he's us. He's tricked us. He's tricked us. Uh, he's keeps us down here and he forces us to podcast about various conspiracy theories because he wants to convince the world um, and inform the world of his theories. So that's kind of the, that's what's going on. If this is your first time tuning in. So every week, Andy and I have been, like we said, duped by this guy. He comes in, he fools us. And then as soon as we finish the podcast for the last three weeks, he has let us go. We just get to leave. Every Sunday, he captures us, and every Sunday evening, after we finish the podcast, he lets it's us It's catch go. and release. It's catch and release. We're like two- But then re-catch again. We're like two big mouth basses that he has a he has a really weird relationship with. Yeah. Like an old fisherman who's out on the sea and is like, oh, that's, that's, oh, that's the one that got away. This is a real Hemingway sort of situation. Oh, he is so mad at the sea. He's an old man, and he's mad. He's angry. <laughs> and today's no different- he treats us nicely. Like, let's be honest, this bunker, as much as it sucks to be here and it sucks to get abducted, there are some nice amenities. It's not bad. There's food. There's a bathroom. We're warming to it. We're warming to Which it. Which is probably a bad thing. Yes, it's probably a bad thing. I will not put all the blame on him, and this is not Stockholm Syndrome. No. We're also very lazy, and when he lets us go on Sunday evenings, we kind of just want to go home, and we keep forgetting to tell the police. We have things to do. We, we have a life. We have things to do. We have families. We have a, we have, we have, we have a lot to, on our minds. We have jobs. We can't be expected all the time to worry about what the titular bunker is up to. That's right. Like, I forget. Like, dude, like, give me a fucking break, dude. Like, I got taxes to pay, and like, I got to do, like, insurance stuff. Yeah. And I got to cook food and I don't have time to remember that I got abducted by a crazy person and to I tell the police. Like, I can't, 
I can't be responsible all the time for my own whereabouts and I can't be responsible all the time for discerning where I am at any one moment if I don't know. We're not mad at you, the listeners. No, we're just, uh, there's some uh, some simmering frustration. Yeah, we're on the back burner. Right. With ourselves, this is a common theme, I think, in both of our lives is we're just sometimes a little lazy. Sure. And this is no different. This is one of those times. Uh, so earlier today, Andy, I was running an errand. Uh, I was uh, out and about, uh, you know, strolling. And uh, I was just running a regular errand. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm kind of a superstitious person. I don't know if you know this about me, but I am. Mm-hmm. I won't walk under a ladder. I won't, you know, if salt falls, I will throw it over my shoulder like you're supposed to. That's about as far as I go. If I see a black cat, maybe I won't let it cross my path, but it's kind of hard to control cats. They kind of do what they want. Um, And you don't see that many feral cats in the big city. You know, I mean, maybe you do. Would you break a mirror? No. Oh, God, no. Andy, I wouldn't even talk about breaking a mirror. Or breaking bad, but I won't break a mirror. You just did talk about breaking a mirror. Oh, no. No, uh, I won't break mirrors. Um, but I don't really go around like down to Home Depot and break mirrors for fun. It's not really something. I've done I, it before. <laughs> it's a fun pastime for you. It's neat. <laughs> um, I, I'm a superstitious guy. So I was walking down the street and I did. I saw um, a ladder and I didn't want to walk under it. So I kind of like. Had to move around it, you know, I had to go around the ladder, which was a little inconvenient. And as I did that, a big bucket of gack fell on my head. Um, Old school Nickelodeon. Nickelodeon gack? Yeah, old school Nickelodeon gack fell on my head. I got slimed big time. And I was looking around. I thought Mark Summers would be there. I thought I was on Double Dare, but no, just turns out I got slimed. And then what am I going to do? I'm out and about. I can't. So now I'm trying to walk back. To go home because I got to go clean myself. I can't run errands. You got to unslime yourself. That's right. Degack. I got to degack, and the gack hardened, and it froze and it cased me in gack, much like Han Solo was encased in carbonite. Yeah, I was encased in gack, and I even made the, the same face where I had the hands up. Like, Arr! wow. Yeah, I got encased in gack, and wouldn't you know it? Bunker came up dressed like a little construction worker, just picked me up. I couldn't do anything. I was encased in gack. You could see him. You knew he was doing it, but there was you were powerless. I was powerless. And he just, he blindfolded me and put me in the back of some kind of vehicle. And here I was at the bunker. Incredible. Yeah. As uh, Nickelodeon Kathy would say, gack. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> she would say that, wouldn't she? Yeah. She would, for sure. All right, Andy, what about you? How did it get you this week? <sighs> well, I was doing a little grocery shopping. Classic. So I was at the supermarket. Not something you like to do. No, not a big fan. And this situation did not improve <laughs> my outlook on that. I went into the supermarket, and as you know, uh, listeners of the show may not know, I'm a fan of the uh, Dr. Pepper soft drink. I enjoy its flavor. Um, I mostly drink the diet caffeine free diet Dr. Pepper. Triple D. Triple D. Or DDP. C D D P. Yeah. Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah. And 
you know, they had a big uh, display at the store, you know, where they make a castle out of like boxes of cans of of soda. And so I go into this pop castle looking for diet caffeine free Dr. Pepper. It's all made out of Dr. Pepper. Right. And wouldn't you know it? Mm-mm. Dressed in a full diet caffeine free Dr. Pepper night outfit <laughs> is the titular bunker. He's dressed like the Bud Knight, Bud, the, Bud Light the doc- Knight. Yeah, but, but the Dr. Diet, Pepper diet caffeine free Dr. Pepper night. <laughs> oh, and he got you? Yeah, he put me to the sword. He oh. held me at sword point. He forced me to march out of the store. I mean, I got into his his van and then he brought me back here. And those aluminum cans are sharp. That's that sword. I'm not messing with it. You know you can pick a lock with those things. And that thing is light. I mean, think oh, of yeah. the, that's a good strength to weight ratio on aluminum. He got you, dude. He he knows your weakness. <sighs> I should caffeine free Dr. Pepper. Look, I broke the cardinal rule. You're not supposed to walk into the display. <laughs> and like, that's on me for sure. Like if there's a castle made out of pop at the store, don't walk into it. Yeah. To any, I'm sure if there's any jewel employees who are listening, they're going to be thankful that we said that. Yeah. I mean, this is. All right. You're welcome. Dominic's. Yeah. We. Wow. Gone, but not forgotten. Man. He knighted you. He medieval times you. Yeah. He, uh, yeah, he got you good, man. Well, listeners, every week we get, he just, he just has a way with costumes. I, I'm starting to think that maybe somewhere in his background, he, there was some kind of theater experience. There's gotta be the costume. I mean, he's got a lot of time on his hands. I mean, unless he's got someone working for him who makes these costumes, like we've never met anybody else. No, he's doing, I mean, this was an elaborate, I mean, outfit made out of, of, of you know cardboard boxes and that means he had to have like either drank or stored drank yeah drank drunk oh he's probably got a big vat somewhere Dr- around here drink it he had to drink it a, a large amount of he diet had, caffeine he had Dr. sword Pepper. he had the shield he had a cape yeah he had a cape wow he had a full helmet full helmet he had a crest on the shield yes his coat of arms wow jeez he went all out yeah the guy spares no expense. I mean, I don't know where he found Nickelodeon Gak. Because I mean, that uh, stuff's hard to find. Honestly, I mean, <laughs> good for him, I guess. And it had to have been like original Gak, because otherwise it wouldn't have froze so well or encased me as well as it did. Yeah. You ever do that as a kid? Encase things in Gak? Kind of. You remember like uh, in elementary school, they would... Uh, you would mix like it was like cornstarch with glue. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you make that weird shit that's like liquid, but when you punch it really hard, it turns into a solid. Yeah. Or the other way around. Right. You ever do that? Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, we're under pressure. It like has resistance. It's neat. Yeah. Should you do that more often? Yeah. Do it just for fun now. <laughs> I can do that whenever I want. I'm an adult. You remember Floam? <laughs> I do remember Floam. Floam was weird. It smelled weird. Yeah. Did it, isn't there some like lawsuit with Floam? I don't know. Could be. Maybe my parents' carpet is suing Floam. <laughs> you got it caught in your it carpet. Took a beating. I from think Flom. out of all the different putty varieties, silly silly putty is okay, silly putty or play doh? Who's the king? Of putty varieties. Uh I think that play doh is. Wow. Play doh's a little more pliable. Wow. Play-Doh hardens, though, and it doesn't taste good. 
They, it's, you want to eat it. Yeah, it's come on. It's a little bit salty, but you didn't try it, did you? Uh, yeah, I tried yeah, it. Of course, did. it's a little bit salty, but yeah. I mean, it's not bad, but yeah, it doesn't taste good. It's not designed to be a a, a food product. They should they should make an edible play doh. I don't know. I kind of like silly putty. I had a lot more silly putty as a kid. Really? Oh yeah, those eggs. Yeah, I went gaga for those things. Silly putty. You could just like you could fucking just. It was like a stress ball. You could like rip it. And it would make these like str- you didn't you ever ripped your silly putty? Yeah, sure. Rip it, and then you would like um, you could roll it into a snake. You could do that with play doh. Did you know that silly putty also copies stuff? Yeah, if you put it down on like ink. Yeah, yeah, it'll absorb. It'll it, like play doh can't do that. Ink. I do. We need to do that. Yeah, because you can draw something and then silly putty it. Silly putty stick it. All right. I don't know. I, I think I'm Team Silly Putty. Team Play-Doh. Silly Putty also had cooler colors. OG Silly Putty was just pink, but I had some cool cosmic colors. There was more colors than just the original Silly oh, Putty? Oh, yeah. Dude, I had, like, cosmic color ones. It was, like, purple and blue and had, like, sparkles in it. Oh, I've never heard of this. It was, like, cosmic. It was dope. I'm telling you, man. Hmm. Team Silly Putty. Well, Andy, we're opposed on these two things, but I don't think there's, this is one of those situations where much like you can form Silly Putty and Play-Doh into anything your heart desires, today's topic that uh, the titular bunker has given us to um, investigate, simulation theory. There's a lot to unpack here, Andy. (sighs) Is there ever? You ever hear about this? I mean, you probably have, but you ever hear about this before we had to look into it? Yeah, I've heard I've heard about it before. It's uh it's the matrix. Yeah. It's a little it's it's the basis it, for the matrix. Yeah, yeah. I would not say it's exactly the matrix, but right. There's a lot of a lot in the matrix that's it's about matrix theory. Yeah. Um yeah, a lot of it's about the matrix. A lot of it is kind of very heady stuff. You know, this one's not going to put you in the couch. Yeah. This one's going This one's in your head. That's yeah, that's true. Um, this is when you got to think about hmm? it, it really, and it's, it's dense too. Like yeah. so much of this, the research was very, very dense and tough to kind of unpack. but it's an interesting theory. It's not, it's almost not as much conspiracy theory as it is, um, a philosophical and almost religious discussion. Yeah. It's way more, I mean, to me, it's more philosophical than it is, you know, I mean, there's some technical, technical, like technological, yeah, aspects to it, but we're stretching. Moreover, we're stretching the limit of what you know. I think Bunker wants us to, because I think he's pretty convinced that we live in a simulation, right? So he wants us to kind of talk about it. Yeah, uh, I, I think that. I think he's he definitely feels like, like that. Either if we're there, I mean, he he he, he can see it happening. Well, Andy, there's no time like the present, right? And whether this is is there, this is virtual or not, baby, we gotta give we gotta give the listeners the whole enchilada. That's what we set out to do. That's our goal, and it's coming to you hot and fresh. Here is simulation theory. Thank you.
Sanders, tech mastermind and noted meme connoisseur Elon Musk stated that he believes there is a one in a billion chance that we are the base reality. Meaning simply that we may live in a simulation and that in the very near future, our reality will become indistinguishable from the game simulations we play. Simulation theory is a hypothesis that proposes that all of reality is a simulation and that computers are dictating our every choice. While past civilizations have had similar discussions and conundrums, now more than ever, the idea that our reality is not in fact our reality seems like our reality. Are we living in a computer simulation? How do we know what is real? How do we explain phenomena such as deja vu? Did a higher power simulate us based on themselves? Are we that higher power? Is the burrito I ate for lunch the burrito I chose to eat? Or is some 0011 robot dictating whether I'm shilling out 80 cents for guac today? Musk, in an interview at Vox Media, remarked that 40 years ago we had Pong. Now, 40 years later, we have photorealistic 3D simulations with millions of people playing, and it's getting better every year. 40 or 100 years from now, could there be the computing power necessary to simulate an entire universe? Current VR technology already hacks the brain neurologically, so it's basically making our eyes perceive a reality that doesn't exist. Augmented reality technology gets stronger every year, so it's just a matter of time until it masks what we perceive as our reality. It's not an unfathomable concept. But there are some complex factors outside of this that explore just how close that future could and might be. Oxford professor Nick Bostrom sets up his simulation theory like this in three separate ideations. One, the human species is very likely to go extinct before reaching a post-human age. Two, any post-human civilization is extremely unlikely to run a significant number of simulations of their evolutionary history or variations thereof. Or three, we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. Now, Bostrom isn't arguing that either statement has more merit than the other, but rather that one of the statements is true. If the first two are not true, then there are more people living in simulations than in the real world. If option one is true, we go extinct before we get the chance to really explore total harmony between man and machine. You know, this can happen in a plethora of fun ways like natural disasters, nuclear war, or our favorite, molecular nanobacteria that consumes all organic matter. This future sure looks bleak. In option two, the future matrix architects possess the ability to run computer simulations of the entirety of the human race, but don't. Why? Well, one reason might be ethics. If we are the avatars of simulated humans bouncing around this virtual world, is that ethical? Is creating a human race immoral? Do the architects of our pain and suffering not feel any remorse for giving us a reality in which we feel pain and suffering? Would future architects feel it immoral to stand idle while us virtual folk commit atrocities against one another? Maybe it's not all bad. Maybe the post-human architects are so advanced that they don't need to run a computer simulation of their ancestors. I mean, if you're at the point where man and machine are almost intertwined, do you really need to look to the past for answers? Instead of running a virtual Westworld for their own amusement, maybe they simply electrically stimulate the pleasure centers of the brain and call it a day. 
I mean, recreational activities like video games would be silly to advanced folks of the singularity. Either way, we can't possibly know how future humans with immense computer power will behave. But what we do know is that current humans love to play in virtual worlds, and current humans feel almost no remorse for locking their sims in bathrooms and setting the house on fire while they pee on the floor. So, post-humanity will require some significant changes to their motivations. That brings us to option three, which suggests that we are almost certainly living in a computer simulation. Before we break this down any further, we should crunch a few numbers and see what kind of computer power we'd need to run a simulation of the entire universe. Because let's face it, the GTX 1080 and Ryzen 2700 we're recording this episode on isn't going to cut it. We'd need a pretty complex computer able to fake reality well enough to simulate all of mankind existing. While science is making leaps and bounds in terms of processing power, again, 40 years ago we had Pong, what exactly would we need to simulate a single human? A human brain is much like a computer. It relies on a series of inputs and processes information as electrical signals. So, for example, your ears decode the sound of this podcast, parts of your brain decode what I'm saying and interpret it so you can understand it, your eyes read the time left in the podcast, and so on. And you do all this in nanoseconds without realizing it. Scientists have made attempts to replicate neural tissues and approximate that the human brain can run 10 to the 14th power operations per second. But in reality, we can't interpret all information surrounding us that fast. So a computer would need only to simulate as much as we can take in, which is much less than simulating cortical activity in general. But what about the world around us? The ground, the trees, the birds in the sky? Well, the computer would only need to simulate only what is around us so that we don't notice any irregularities. It goes back to the old... If a tree falls in the forest and nobody is around to hear it, does it really make a sound argument? On top of that, an advanced computer would only need to include certain properties for simulated objects, like texture, appearance, weight. Anything microscopic could be added in the simulation ad hoc. That all seems like a tall order, but computers are really powerful already and really efficient. Scientists such as Eric Drexler are working on designs for a computer the size of a sugar cube that can run 10 to the 21st power operations a second. This again goes back to the Pong analogy. If computer designs today already can outperform a human brain in terms of functional power, what will they look like in another 40 years? As computer power advances and our research into quantum computing improves, what would it take to simulate an entire universe? Bostrom outlines the idea of a computer the size of a planet based on current nanotechnological design, which are far from optimal that can produce 10 to the 42nd power operations per second. A computer of this magnitude would have no problem simulating the entirety of the human race. This is a lot to take in, but physicist and consciousness researcher Tom Campbell breaks it down like this. He uses World of Warcraft as an example. In the game, you have your avatar, your dwarf fighter or your level 80 Torn warlock. You, the player, control the avatar through your computer. The avatar exists in a reality that is unaware of the computer being used to control it. It only knows that when you input a certain key, it either jumps or moves or attacks. We, the player, are the avatar's consciousness. Without our input, the avatar doesn't do anything. It is unconscious. Campbell says that if this world is a virtual reality or simulation, then the computer used to create our world and the consciousness used to direct input to that world 
must both be outside the created world of our reality. Our bodies are avatars and our consciousness is outside of our physical world. Consciousness is an information system. It relies on input from the world around it through our five senses, and this is how we define our reality. Our consciousness is individualized. There is no way to know what someone else is perceiving or interpreting, but we all have individual consciousnesses working together like a real information system, and the purpose of it is to grow and give feedback and optimize. The way we do this is very similar to leveling up our avatars in WoW. We cooperate, we work together, we gain experiences, we spread love. Let's bring it back to the physical world for a moment and discuss the double-slit experiment. Campbell and many other simulation theorists reference this experiment as another example of a bizarre phenomenon that could explain why we live in a simulation. So without putting you to sleep like Mr. Johnson's honors physics class, the double-slit experiment was essentially an experiment where scientists shot a beam of electrons at a wall with two identical slits cut in it at a significant distance apart. Now, there was a backdrop behind the slit-cut wall to catch the electrons. What they found was that when the electrons were undetected, meaning they didn't use a device to monitor what the electrons did as they passed through the slits, they behaved much like a wave. There was a diffraction pattern spread across the backdrop, and this is highly unusual. But it gets weirder. When the electrons were detected, they behaved like particles would. There were two orderly silhouettes that appeared on the backdrop where the slits were cut. This is especially weird because no one expected electrons to act like a wave, but no one especially expected the electrons to act in an orderly fashion when being messed with by a detector. This experiment raised a lot more questions than it answered. Is it another act of weird quantum shenanigans? Or is it the computer simulation adding information in as needed? The craziness of simulation theory dates real far back. Humans have always posited theories on reality versus simulation. Descartes asked us to imagine an extracted brain in a vat, stimulated by fake sensory input. How do we know we aren't all brains in a big tub somewhere? The idea is interesting, but the practice and longevity of such an experience is non-existent, so it looks like it may not be true. But can we ever know? Most major religions ask us to believe in a higher power, controlling and creating. This in and of itself is a form of simulation. If one believes that a super being can formulate an entire reality, how is this different than the potential idea of an advanced societal power doing the same thing with a computer? Most Judeo-Christian religions believe in the idea of an afterlife. One could argue that this is a form of simulation theory, that our reality is not the base reality, that there are other realities such as heaven and hell, that do not conform to our physical laws of nature, but also influence our physical world. Kabbalah posits a world full of individualized perceptions and illusions, i.e., my concept of the color blue is different than yours. The world is our subjectively perceived experience and highly influenced by not only our senses, but our souls. Does anything exist outside of us then? Are dreams mini-simulations that echo a larger dream-adjacent life we're living? In Hinduism, the concept of Maya is an often debated topic. It was originally interpreted as a magic power with which a god can make human beings believe in what turns out to be an illusion. Another perspective is that everything is governed by our consciousness, like how we attribute money to mean success and power. Simulation theory spans many of the fields that govern our lives. 
religion, philosophy, physics? Are we living in a computer simulation? Does that matter? If our world was virtual, would our actions matter any less? Humanity will always question its origins, and as technology improves, it sometimes creates more questions than answers. Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast will be right back after this brief message. Hey, listeners, this is Art and Andy. Hey, listeners. Um, just wanted to let you guys know that we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear from you. So if you feel so inclined, feel free to email us at mrbunkerpod at gmail.com. Send us your, your feedback. Send us comments. Send us questions. Send us stories about... Send us conspiracy theories that you want us to um, talk about on the show. Right, Andy? Yeah, right. Um, if you don't like email, hit us up on Twitter at Mr. Bunker Pod. That's right. Tweet at us. Tweet us your live reactions to the podcast as you That's, listen to it. Yeah. Tweet us your personal feelings about anything. Really? Uh, or anything that's covered in the podcast. Uh, that's true. Tweet at us uh, photos of your last vacation. Tweet at us <laughs> whatever you feel like. We'd love to interact with you. We love interaction. And speaking of which, if you're in, you've been enjoying the show, uh, we truly appreciate it. Thank and you Mr. for listening. Bunker truly appreciates it. If you feel so inclined, and I know a lot of podcasts say this, but it truly does help us out, leave us a review. Give us a rating. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Yeah. Even if you hate it. Even if you hate it. I mean, preferably you'll like it, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, fair is fair. If fair you hate is, it, you hate it. And right. I'm not going to judge your reaction to that. <laughs> but especially, I mean, if you forget to rate it and you hate it, that's okay. You don't have to rate it if you hate it. But if you love it, rate it. Rate we it. Would, that would be great. <laughs> it would be great. It truly helps us out. And you know what? Let's not take up any more of your time. Let's get back in all that hard-hitting action. On Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. Thanks, listeners. Bye bye. Welcome back to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time podcast. That was our research of simulation theory. Andy, or should I say virtual Andy? Virtue Andy. Virtue Andy. Let's give some general thoughts on this. It's a very, very, I, I will say, listeners, it's a very. This is another subject that could easily span multiple episodes. You know, we're trying to give you uh, the whole enchilada. We're trying to give you the whole enchilada. And, you know, maybe in a future episode or something, we give you the sides that we missed. Right. Yeah. We give you a nice salad. Yeah. We give you a little a uh, bowl of guac. A bowl of guac. We give you some chips and salsa. We give you refried beans, refried beans, something else that you want. You know? Right. Um, but we're trying to give you, you know, the, the whole enchilada here and, um, there's a lot to cover with this. It's very dense. This is a big, big topic. Um, 
What are your initial impressions, Andy? Simulation theory. Like my initial impression on simulation theory is I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to jump to conclusions without stretching here, but simulation theory to me, it seems a little impractical. What do you mean? Like it's one of those, it's one of those things where I always ask, but why? What do you mean by why? So if someone had the computing power and they were able to create a simulation and completely simulate this world, like, and we have consciousness in it. Right. Why would you choose to do that? Well, they might be trying to learn something. Like this is a study on, Mm -hmm. they've completely faked us to Mm -hmm. study what we, what our lives were like. Or literally it's Westworld. (laughs) Literally this is some fun amusement park for post-humans to go fucking adventure in. Yeah. To go fuck around in the 21st or whatever century we're in now. Yeah. We're in the 21st century. It does raise that, that, that interesting. Yeah. We're in the 21st century. What year is it? I don't know. I'm in a bunker. <laughs> boy, if this is a simulation, I want a fucking reset button, baby. Yeah, right? I mean, boy. <laughs> Can I fucking change my code, please? This is not how I like to game, personally. <laughs> yeah, I'm uninstalling. Yeah, I'm yeah, rage this, quitting, dude. This, this is game not for me. is not fun. <laughs> <clears throat> no, we're joking. We love ourselves. We, our lives are amazing. Yes. Um, just trapped in a bunker <laughs> but it's it, it's well I, I think there's lots of reasons why they would there's uh it's just you know that they want to learn something or just the the fact that they can yeah i don't know it's i i mean because to me what i come away from it is is that the amount of of computing power necessary is is enormous okay like if they were going to simulate a whole universe, yeah, you know, like even just to simulate Earth, is a lot. Is a lot, and like we could say probably that Earth exists in this simulation, even in its entirety, right? Right. So like they probably don't need to completely simulate all of the universe. Because there's parts of the universe we can't explore. Exactly. So there's a lot of stuff that they wouldn't ever have to 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 do until we get to that point. Exactly. We never it's just there's just stuff out there and it's we don't know what's what's out there and then you know it, the the simulation just adds it in ad hoc as needed, you know. Right. And sure that stuff is like that's going to take a lot of computing power, but just to simulate Earth even is a a huge amount of computing power. Well, see the technological aspect doesn't I don't struggle with that because again, it's the pong thing. I mean, 40 years is nothing. That's that's not even a blip on the grand scheme of things, right? Right. According so to science. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, like, geologically, that's... We a, had Pong. That's and it no took, time. It took so much computing power just to get Pong or whatever, right? And it's like, we're recording this now on a computer that I can... The games I can run are are very close to... They're, very, they're still games, but some of them are so photorealistic, and they're getting better every single fucking year. Yeah. I mean, I was I just saw a thing the other day. You remember Boston Dynamics? Yeah. You know them. You've seen them. Right. 10 years ago they had some dopey fucking robot that could barely walk. 
I mean, this thing literally looked like a person who like had to take a shit, and it like that's how it walked. Like it was like, uh, uh, like, it, and they, uh, that's all it did. It just walked. And if you kick the thing, yeah, it, it had was, a it had a clinched butt the it whole had a time. Yeah, butt. you could, yeah, it had a tight anus. I know the one you're talking about on this robot, and uh, <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. Oh, I know that robot. Oh, do I ever? <laughs> I'm a, a clinched robot connoisseur. <laughs> Uh, and if you kick this thing, if you touch this thing, it would just fall over like a piece right, of shit. Right. Nowadays, they got a fucking robot that can like scale. It can like do the American Ninja Warrior, like the Ninja Warrior thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've seen that. You've seen that? Like it can like jump back and forth between pillars at while ascending. Right. In height. It, it's, it's insane. And it's 10 years of work. Yeah. So the idea that like. Like this breakthrough that like, oh, technological, like, I feel like that's, I can accept that so easily. Okay. You can accept that, but think about the energy required to run such a thing. Well, that's why, you know, there's, there's work on quantum computing, which is making computers so small. They're like tiny, but they still have immense power. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't need a lot of energy to run something like that. You know, he just kind of posits this idea of it's a it's a planet, right? Sized computer, but the tech the technology aspect to me. But then, who's to also say that there isn't just a couple people who are simulated, or a couple of us that are conscious, quote unquote, using our consciousness from inside the base, the real reality, yeah, right, the physical world, and they've got they got your brain hooked up to some kind of machine or. Or something, and then the rest of you, you're simulated, I'm not. Or the other way I around. would never know that you're not simulated. You don't know. You have no idea what I'm thinking. And you don't know that I'm not simulated. That's ex- that's exactly Because true. even if I say that, that doesn't mean that I'm conscious of it. That's right. It just means that I'm programmed to s- respond in that fashion to you. That's right. Um, And I can never know what you think. You might look at me and say the shirt I'm wearing is blue. And I would say, no, it's not. It's gray. And you're yeah. like, well, it's blue. It's blue to me. So how do I know? I'll tell you, Art. I think about this a lot. Do you? And 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 specifically, I think about in terms of the visible spectrum of light. Because consider it for just a moment. Our eyes are created in such a way or are formed in such a way that we only perceive a certain part of the spectrum of light but really there's all this other light there's so much other stuff that exists that we don't see at all with our eyes it's yeah it's like how we look at the sky the sky isn't actually blue yeah just perceive it that way because of the way the fucking light hits it so i think about if our eyes were attuned somewhat differently yeah what else would we see exactly maybe we'd see the ones and zeros man yeah i mean maybe Maybe we just, maybe we wouldn't see anything. The science aspect of it is so, I didn't know that. And that was tough for me. Listeners, uh, I'm going to tell you this, even though it's embarrassing. I had to get my, my friend's little brother who's 16 and he's in an AP physics class right now in high school to explain the double slit experiment to me. (laughs) And I also brought in my buddy who has a degree in physics to also explain it to me because I cannot wrap my head around it because I am a dum-dum. Um, I'm, I'm, I'll tell you this much. I can understand the words that make up the double slit experiment. Right. But 
the underlying scientific thing. Right. I have no the, idea. The, the thing you need to know is just that it raised a lot more questions. Like people, it's pretty interesting. Like nowadays we have this idea, like it's kind of understood that light is both a wave and a particle. Yeah. Which is fucking bizarre. Like it shouldn't behave that way. It's weird. And the, the weirdest thing about the double slit and they've done it, you know, there's, They've they've done kind of modern versions like the um, the, if you want to Google the delayed choice quantum erasure, or erasure, um, that experiment like did it in an even crazier way where, like a lot of people say like well the it's the 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 the, the method of detection, it's not like they're just taking a picture of these electrons they have to like the method of detection my friend described it to me as like. They're shooting all these ping pong balls like from across a football field at a, at a thing. And then someone like throws a football perpendicular to them. And then where the two meet is kind of how they understand the detection of it. Right. Like, and we quantum physics and quantum like science and all this shit is so baffling because we just don't understand any of it. Like there's so many questions. It's like we can, it's, there's something like you can either know the momentum or the position of a particle. You can't know both. And it's just like, there's so many things we don't understand, but this stuff brought up a lot of questions and much like many conspiracy theories where there's the unexplained. We don't understand the, the, the simple answer is probably like, we just don't fucking get it yet. We don't know. We don't have it's, the technology, right? It's still but, things that we have to understand more, but to conspiracy theorists and to other theorists, they're like, oh, why does that exist, huh? Hmm? Yeah, yeah. Why is there a why is the speed of light have this constant thing? Why does it why do the physical laws of the universe happen for a certain way? Well, mm-hmm. maybe maybe they coded it that way. Right. Maybe the architects put it that way, Andy. Yeah. The science stuff though was super interesting. Cuz it like people didn't understand why it would ha- you would you would expect that electrons it's like they literally changed depending on whether we were looking at them. Right. If you're not looking at them, they act like, you know, nice little, or if you're not looking at them, they act like chaotic waves. Right. And that's the pattern across the backdrop, right? Like this wave pattern. Um, that's like that scientific uh, conundrum where you change the outcome by measuring it. Exactly. Um, it's, it's really crazy stuff. And there's a lot of other, you know, there's other phenomenon that theorists bring up, but this double slit one is kind of the big one that. A lot of them talk about. I mean, I'm not smart enough to really like get get insightful about it. Right. But I mean, I will say that stuff like that to me is hard to wrap my mind around. Right. That something changes just because you measured it. But I guess, you know, it it's true. It depends on the way you measure it, right, though? Yeah. Because your measurement tool is maybe not perfect. Right. It's not like we're taking a photo of these electrons. Like I said, right. there's, there's probably some kind of interference, but still, it's bizarre that they act a certain way when you're looking at them and they don't when you're not. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, 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 yeah, it's bizarre. But then again, it's sort of like if I used a, a ruler to measure, like how much gas was in my car. Right. Like, I probably wouldn't arrive at a super smart conclusion. Or an accurate, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would probably be like, hmm, this is weird. Well, let's shift focus then, Andy, and then let's let's talk a little bit about, like, well, let's start at the beginning. Do you think we'll make it 
To a post-human? Yes. <sighs> and a post-human society is kind of one that's like pretty much the singularity where like technology right. has hit the physical limits of science and like we can't go any further. That's what they mean by post-human. Right. We've achieved this. We're beyond humanity. We've achieved this perfect meld with technology. Right. And there's no, there's no further advancement that we're at our like peak evolution. Exactly. We've exhausted humanity and we're completely integrated with technology. Do you think we'll make it? No. <laughs> so you think we're going to go extinct? It some, seems we're gonna, likely. We're going to fuck each other up somehow. I, I just have that. We made it this far. We've made it this far, but. Things, Let's not get caught up in the idea, though, that this isn't always the best time to be alive. No, the present, we can both agree on that, that the present is always the best time to be alive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people will argue that for a lot of various reasons, but right. the way the technology advances, you are always in the present, the best position to be in. Right. Because you have the most benefit of this collected knowledge of humanity. Right. But that said... We might go extinct. <laughs> the nanotechnology is kind of scary. Yeah. We'll put a link to that in the description. <laughs> That's really interesting. Like they were like, yeah, in the wrong hands. Um, yeah. You could pretty much destroy the world with nanobacteria that eats all organic matter. Yeah. And kills everybody. Yeah. I mean, nanotechnology. I mean, and can't see it. Yeah. You can't see it. How hard would it be to stop? I mean, I think there's a Michael Critton book about that. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, but he's the author of Jurassic Park. Michael Crichton? Yeah. What did I say? What did you say? Critton? Crichton. Michael Crouton. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. This Markel Crouton book that I read uh, <laughs> called The uh, the Last Word. What? The Lost World. Oh. <laughs> um, What were we talking about? Whether we're going to go extinct. Theory? Oh, yeah. Extinction. I mean, with climate change art, mm. we're, you know, obviously this recent UN report says, I mean, maybe we'll get into this in another episode. Right. But that there's 10 years before we pass the point of no return. Right. That climate change is going to be irreparable. Mm-hmm. But and, who's to say that technology can't advance you know, to something we don't even foresee that that's the thing that fucking fixes. What it. about carbon subtraction technology? Right. These things could develop rapidly, but I mean, if, if things continue the way they're going, it sure seems like there could be like, you're, I mean, you're a bit of a pessimist. I'm a pessimist. Yeah. I would that's say a, that's a bleak outlook. Yeah. I mean, I just think it, it puts, there's so many people Yeah, and if sea levels rise, it puts a lot of pressure. It puts a lot of pressure on like what are going to be like already strained, you know, agricultural resources. And, you know, I don't know. It just, it seems like there could be a lot of competition and there could be a lot of problems, but we might make it. I'm not saying we won't for sure, but I kind of feel like we'll probably go extinct. Jeez. (laughs) Because, because I mean, but it depends. It's like you said, how long does it take us to get to a post-human civilization? Could be right around the corner. I mean, could it be in the next thousand years? Could be. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, have you ever tried, have you ever played around with any augmented reality or VR technology? Oh yeah. I play Pokemon Go before. 
I've played it. Yeah, that's right. You were a big Pokemon Go guy. Was I? I think you were. I was done with it within like a week. I was like, yeah, this fucking sucks. I can't battle my friends. Then what's the point? Yeah, it, I don't know. It lost. I mean, I did it for a little while, but it didn't like hook me like it did some people. But yeah, I mean, I've never, I've not done like any like, I've never like walked around with like the Google glasses or anything. There's a couple apps you can get on your phone. Um, I think I deleted them. I think one of them is called Stack. It's a game. I, Andy, it truly is. Yeah, I deleted them off my phone. I think. Um, oh, here it is. Stack AR. And then the other one is called Thing with a Y. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane what, what they're capable of. I mean... Like it's it's real. It's it's here. It's on your phone. Your phone can literally map out and calculate the surface area of something that it's looking at, and then understand like what it's doing is like rapidly taking photos so fast that it is like mapping um the area, and then it knows how to position uh, an object in it, and then you can walk around the object. It's baffling. And I mean, I feel like we are so close to a world where what's to say that, you know, we can put that in the lenses of our glasses and all of a sudden you're walking down the street and you have a heads up display. And then of course they're going to fucking fill it with ads. Yeah. You're going to fucking be walking around and then you're going to see fucking ads for everything. I'm going to stare at a Starbucks logo and all of a sudden I'll see Frappuccino ads everywhere. I drove a car recently that had a heads-up display. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, this is a big milestone for me. <laughs> I haven't driven a car in almost five or six years, so. But it was pretty wild, honestly. What car were you driving? It was a... Uh, you driving a Tesla's? No. You getting was, a Tesla? No, it was a Honda Accord. Oh. Uh, so it had like a touchscreen? What are you talking about? No, it had a heads-up display. Like in the... Like on the, like in the, above the dash, like on the windshield, you could do, like, you could put your navigation up there, speedometer up there. How was that? It was, it was nice. You don't have to look at another thing. You can just like glance down and see it. But I mean, that's not really augmented reality so much as it is. Right. But I mean, to me, this is, this is a leap, right? Like you, you have this in your, like in your Car windshield. Yeah. I mean, think about 10 years ago where you were. We didn't have these fucking things walking around with us. Like, yeah. 10, 15 years ago. And how fast, how much they've grown in the last under how, 10 years. How much this went from just being and a phone. For listeners, we're holding our smartphones. We're holding, yeah. <laughs> Did you see this? <laughs> but the smartphone is is incredible. Yeah. We went from having a device that was used to make a phone call. And send a short text message. That you had limited numbers of. Limited characters, yeah. And now we have, I have the whole internet in my pocket all the time. Do you ever think about that? Like how fast technology has grown? Because like, I, you know, I'm a big uh, Twitch user. Yeah. So I, I hang out in a lot of Twitch communities. And it's like, that means I, that means someone across the country or across the world is uploading at a constant bit rate in 1080p. A, a live stream of them playing a video game, doing something, and then it is being sent to me instantaneously, and I am downloading it, and the delay is, now it's at like two or three seconds. Minuscule. 
I can type something and that person can instantly read it and respond to me. Yeah. And it even within the last like couple of years that has shrunk. It used to be like 10 seconds, you know, yeah, or whatever. And now it's like, it's so negligible. Yeah. It's insane to me that I can just do that at all times. Yeah. So who's to say that like, even in five years, what is that going to look like? You know? Yeah. It's uh, the possibilities are almost endless. So that's why the, the, the technology portion of this, like I am like almost fully on board with. Yeah. Like I'm like, yeah, sure. We'll have a planet sized computer. Why wouldn't we? Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't we? They'll figure it out. They got a fucking car that can drive itself. That shit is around the corner. Yeah. I mean, literally, you can go buy a Tesla Model 3 right now, and that thing drives itself relatively on the highway. It does. And city driving is coming later this year. Yeah. I mean, Are you going to you gonna get in one? I, w- I would love to. Yeah? I, I, I haven't driven a car in five or six years. So you love the self-driving I car? I love the idea of a car that drives itself. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> keep the streak alive. Like, if we just focus on self-driving cars, too... There's there's this societal impact to humanity because when you think about a self-driving car, we basically have to redesign our whole civilization. We're so ill-equipped for a self-driving car. Yeah, in a way, yeah. Think about how much space we devote to parking in this country. Yeah. You would never need it. What do you mean? You wouldn't need it. Self-driving car. You nobody would no, park. nobody would own a car. What are you talking about? You would just use, you would use like a ride share service. Oh. They would own the cars. Yeah, I mean, I think you would see a lot more public transit probably, maybe. I don't know. Probably not. Think about, think about. You're a big public transit guy, but I fucking hate it. (laughs) No, but I'm saying like, think think about it. Why would you need to buy a self-driving car and own it? You're saying that like people would just take the bus? No, people would take a self-driving car. But you would just use, oh. you'll use your smartphone. You'll pull up the app. So the you self-driving just call up car. Uber or Lyft. Uber and they or Lyft send comes, you. They send a self-driving car to your place. They you're pick right. you up. They drop you off. You don't need to own the car. No, you're right. There's no reason for you to own a self-driving car. Well, then we car. just get rid of the parking lots. Yeah. It's a big deal. But then think about how that changes. Like, we do we need traffic control devices? No. No. The cars. Get rid of them. The cars will be able to leverage that computing power. And they'll be able to know where all the other cars are that are within that reasonable, like, span of their trajectory. Yeah, they have, like, little infrared cameras. Yeah. So they'll never, you could go as fast as the car can go. Yeah, everywhere would be highways. Yeah. Nothing, there would be no reason to have, like, the way we design cities and stuff. It would all. And then they say, you know, for the record, I'm not some kind of Tesla fanboy. I just think it's cool that that there is a semi-self-driving car. Yeah. And the Tesla Model 3 is somewhat affordable. It's pretty affordable. I mean, you can get like a, you know, as far as like self-driving cars go for new tech, it's like 36,000. Yeah. It's pretty fucking affordable. Yeah. And it's electric. Um, so you don't have to pay for gas. But anyway, I'm not some kind of fanboy. I'm not like, oh my God, Tesla. I don't have a car. Are electric cars really sustainable though? Mm, there's a lot of charging stations and you can get home charging stations. But our energy grid already is like pretty inefficient. Yeah. Wouldn't the introduction of a lot of electric cars strain it further? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a smart scientist. I'm not a smart. I'm, I don't know. I'm SMRT. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm art without the SM. That's what I think about. I think that there's a lot of stuff that we need to fix structurally. I feel like they'll figure that infrastructure. out though. Yeah, they can figure it out. Sure. But as you kind of have to walk before you run. Right. 
And I think that's where I kind of come at simulation theory. Yeah. Even if we make a, even if we make computers capable of this kind of processing power, do we have the actual infrastructure to support such devices? Not right now, but I, mean, I guess we're talking like years in the future. Right. Well, what do you think, Andy? Do you think that let's go on a little bit of option two. Do you think it's immoral? Do you think we should even bother creating a matrix? Is that wrong? If we had the power, if you could go into Westworld, would you do it? No, it doesn't feel right to me. Kind of doesn't, right? It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Because those, those robots in Westworld are conscious. Yeah. If they were, if they, I never finished it. Put me to sleep. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Uh, but spoiler alert for what I watched two episodes and I fell asleep and I was like, I'm not watching spoiler alert for what I said just before the spoiler. We can put a spoiler alert in (laughs) warning. Yeah. We'll fix it in post. Probably not. No, but it'll be fine. Anyway, if the robots achieve consciousness, right? Like the AI gets so sophisticated that they are conscious. Right. Then you're, and what is consciousness? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question, but I, I don't know. I feel like if, the, there's like this um why would we make a world where even but do that's going to be the argument is do these things feel yeah there's there's some philosophy i don't care about my sims i'll fucking lock my sims in a goddamn bathroom all day long yeah and they'll piss themselves and it's funny and i'll fucking send them out without eating and i'll play grand theft auto and i'll shoot people how which is would, something you would never do in real life but you run around like it's grand theft auto i don't give a shit how would you feel though if you found out that the AI in the Sims was sophisticated enough that while the, the Sims themselves are in this virtualized world, that when they, when they are set on fire, they feel it. I wouldn't fucking do it. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> we only do that because we're operating under the auspices or the, under the, the ideal that they, they don't feel anything. Yes. That these are just completely rendered... Beings that have no consciousness and it's just totally simulated. Well, that's why I think that I think that option two is probably the most. Even if they could do it, they wouldn't do it. Right. It's that, unlikely that, that people are just going to be like, this is immoral. Yeah. But at the same time, like there's no stopping some asshole from creating a Westworld. Yeah. And people would probably use it. <laughs> yeah. This would be like the dark web of the post-human yes. phase of our existence. You can go play around in some AI world and they don't feel anything. I mean, that was, wasn't that the subject of a, that was the subject of a black mirror on Netflix episode. Mm. Um, Some people think that it's actually immoral to have children because you have, you have a moral obligation to other people to not cause them to suffer. But if you create life, you necessarily cause the suffering Jeez. Of that life. Well, now you're getting in a whole fucking circle. Yeah, sure. This is a real Ouroboros kind of fucking snake eating its own tail. Big word, I know. But I'm just saying that that's, 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 scientists. that's, that's philosophy. Like, you you have a duty to not cause suffering to another creature. But by bringing it into existence, you ne- necessarily must cause it to suffer. Therefore... The act of creating that being is immoral. It's hard to argue with you there. So maybe post-humans... Also, kids are annoying. (laughs) Don't bring them to weddings. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) 
Yikes. Bitter much? <laughs> Sorry, Andy. Andy has a child. I don't, I don't feel off- bad about it. I don't mean to offend you. I don't feel bad about it. You don't get offended. No. Um, well, I think it is interesting, and I think there is a... There's definitely a um, we, weird philosophical argument there. Can we talk about the religious aspect of it, though? Yeah, let's talk about the religious aspect of it. I, I think that's interesting in that to say that maybe God is the architect. He's an matrix. omnipotent being. Right. I think that I think that at first glance at simulation theory, I think a lot of um, very religious people would probably get offended by it. And that's fine. I'm not saying that they can't be, but... Sure. Um, I think when you really start to look into it, they are so closely related because, you know, God is, God is this omnipotent being that doesn't obey the laws of our physical world. So it is outside of our physical world. You know, he's creating things. He's thinking things into existence, right? And this, this, appearing this is in genesis right yeah he set the rules right he says there's going to be light right there's going to be ground there's going to be sky and god he, sets the parameters by which we exist and so then god created us and we're created in his image right this imago day to bring in some latin wow a little jesuit flair yeah uh we're created in his image so we we are created to be like god to look to in his image, right? And when we think about things, they don't necessarily exist, but they do in our mind's eye. So if I think about a waterfall or I think about a tasty pastrami sandwich or I think about, which I frequently do, or I think about anything, right? These are the arts thinking about things. (laughs) The only two things I think about are waterfalls and how you shouldn't go chasing them and pastrami sandwiches. See, it's funny because I think about a waterfall of Russian dressing. <laughs> you want a big Reuben. And a tasty watercress sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. If we're the simulated, we are big time mistakes. Start over. If There's we got some... simulated, man, someone's got to debug code's this broken. code. Yeah. yeah. Get rid of us. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like. You can create things too in your own mind's eye. Yeah. That's the weird part about consciousness is we're all alone. We're all individual. And there's so much of the like spirituality of it is like this idea that consciousness, we're all connected. We're all interconnected in our consciousness and we're all little information systems. And the more we work together, the more we cooperate and spread love, man, which is also what they say in the Bible, right? What's the message Mm -hmm. of the Bible? To love one another. Mm Mm-hmm. To love your neighbor as you love yourself or do unto your neighbor as you would have. A- There's a lot of messages in the Bible. There's a lot of messages. In the Bible. Like how you can't eat a ham sandwich. Yeah. Be stoned to death. Yeah. If your son ever disrespects you, you have to kill him on the spot. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Leviticus. Them's the rules. Them's the rules, bub. I won't be disrespected. It's, it's interesting though, because I think so much of it is wrapped up And like I said, it's like, so there's this idea that we live in this reality with physical limits that God put in place, right? Mm -hmm. But then when we die, we'll go to a different reality, like heaven, where there's no physical limits. I can fucking fly around with an AK-47 machine gun on my Tyrannosaurus Rex. Do we know that, though? I live in a, well, it's heaven. See, again, that's our, we've imagined that. That's what I want. We have no real. 
I want fucking dope wings and a tattoo. We have no we have no real uh, evidence to suggest that that's truly what heaven's like. We most, can't know. Most of the accounts of people having visions of uh, heaven is is that it's it's like you're completely surround like God's always surrounded by the heavenly hosts, the angels and the the spirits of the people who have passed on, and they're all just praising praising God's name, right? So, well, that gets in the idea of that, that this idea that God is love, right? And if that's the whole way that we grow as a society, right? We spread love. We love one another. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not smart enough to make the connections or say it in a way that sounds smart, but I think that I'm onto something. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm like, I'm like almost there, like kind of trying to connect you the almost, dots. You're like I'm doing a connect the dots in a highlight magazine, but something's off. This is your own double slit. You, you're getting, <laughs> you're getting some feedback, but you don't quite understand it. Yeah. You probably need more time to process. And I'm just like making connections. Here, yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, that's another big part of it that we kind of all left out of the script portion. Again, trying to give you the whole enchilada. So, um, all these people who have near death experiences or out of body experiences, or they take ayahuasca or DMT or all these fucking weird drugs. Um, they have these experiences where they time slows down and they come outside themselves and they astral project and they do all these weird things. You know, you could say that that is you experiencing the real consciousness that is in the real reality outside of our little computer that runs us. Right. If we're, if that's like the avatar in, in world of Warcraft, floating out and seeing me um, in my underwear curled up on my computer chair, covered in Dorito dust, you know, playing the game, controlling it, right? Have you ever had any out-of-body experiences or weird shit like that happen to you? No, I've never had an out-of-body experience or anything like that. But as a, as a rebuttal, I'll say that that consciousness is weird, right? Mm-hmm. The thing that makes us conscious Again, it gets down to perception. So your own your own mind is not your own senses aren't super reliable. Right. In the sense of that you don't actually absorb every stimuli in the world all the time. Right? Right, right, right. Like you filter. The 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 tree falls in the forest thing, right? Exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah. So you don't so if you if you have an out of body experience, if you have an imagination, can't you imagine that? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just because, especially when you like introduce like uh, some form of dress or a substance or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Like, though you think you've had this experience, that doesn't mean that you actually transcended your own body. That your consciousness escaped the confines of your own mortal coil. I think I agree with you on that. I think there's a lot of examples of it where it's like, well... It's kind of like the, it goes back to the, you think my shirt is one color than it is. It's like, well, how do I know they're not fucking with me? I don't know their brain. I'm not, I can't, I can't ever understand what you're thinking. So maybe you're just, you think it's real and you've had that experience. You've had that experience. You think it's real. It's real for you. That doesn't mean that in a cosmic sense that it's real. Exactly. It's real for you because our reality is informed by our perceptions. Like, I mean, to go back to driving, if you're driving and somebody does a thing 
another driver does a thing that annoys you, Flip your off. perception of that oh. is what annoys you. Yes. Not the actual act. Yes. Is the act unjust in a in a like fully righteous sense? In my case, yes. I, my anger is always righteous. <laughs> but, Listeners don't know this, but Andy is a very aggressive driver. Uh, yeah, yeah. Do not cut him off. <laughs> don't, please. But my anger is always righteous. It's but not a bit. In, but your perception of it, you there's so many other things that you don't perceive right. that inform that person's actions that then, without them being aware even of it, informs your reaction to their act. So in a, in a, in a like full sense, right. Do you, you don't really have like this fulsome understanding of whether you should be upset or not. Yes. You just react to the only, to the stimuli that you can perceive. And certain, certain, uh, events might be going on that you don't kind of understand that in that, that would inform your perception, right? Like maybe you don't know that maybe, um, the guy who cut you off is rushing to the hospitals to see his to see his wife who's just gone into labor. Yeah. If you understood that, your perception might change, right? Your right. reality might change. Suddenly right. you're not mad, you're understanding. You say, "Oh, if I knew that, I would have been right. okay with it." But you don't know that cuz you don't that. have that information. So it's it's right for me to feel that way. I have that experience. Right. I know that, but in a holistic sense, I may not be right. It's interesting. Uh, it's it's so much to wrap your head around. I, I yeah. do think that so much of it, though, is there is like a positivity to it. I mean, there is. um, It is to like, you know, work together to keep moving forward and um, try and advance yeah. civilization. You hear about a lot of these, you know, and we were kind of already touched on that about um, the different... um out-of-body experiences that some people have you kind of roll your eyes at it it's like oh they just suddenly understood everything about reality um but that being said uh there are weird different deja vu and different glitches like that yeah i get deja vu i wouldn't say frequently but i get it enough that it weirds me out we don't understand why that happens. We don't fully understand like dreaming. I don't think either. Some people say that dreaming is the way the brain kind of reprocesses everything and sh- shuts down quote unquote to rebuild itself. Yeah. It's just doing that. Dream. It's kind of like playing like a little halftime show for you while it uh, sets everything up for the next act or something like that. Um, I can't think of any specific deja vu events. It's always like, Somebody will say something to you that triggers the deja vu event. You get, do you ever have that? Like, and then you get a weird sort of experience where you're still listening to somebody, but you feel and understand that you're having deja vu. Yeah. And, but I think that our, I think that our, well, think about this. You have memories from when you were a child yes. that you can't remember. Allegedly. Like these things are imprinted in your mind. It could be implanted. That informations. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's true. I'll grant you that. But let's just for the sake of set argument. it aside for this specific argument. Uh when you were one year old, you processed information in your brain differently than you do today. That's correct. 
So you have memories that now you can't access. But our brain is, you know, triggered by this mixture of 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 inputs right. that we extract from the and world. Certain pieces of that input you don't learn till later in your life, like object permanence. Right. So I think it's possible that deja vu is the brain reacting to like sets of information that it has stored that your conscious mind doesn't have access enough to put it all together. Right. To say that I know for sure that this is exactly the same as this remembered thing, but you know that you have some, some prior connection to it. You can sense it and it gives you that feeling of deja vu. Yeah. That is my take on deja vu. Well, you always have a, you're always about the most simple answer is usually the truth, right? Right. So, I mean, unless Andy, is there any other sort of discussion topics that you want to touch on with simulation theory? No, I mean, we could talk about it forever until it happens or doesn't happen. That's actually one of the funny parts about Elon Musk's in the video. He says that um, him and his brother get into these simulation arguments a lot. And it's for some reason, it always happens when they're in a hot tub together, which Listen, you want to hang out with your brother in a hot tub, that's fucking... Be my guest. Be my guest. I love hanging out in a hot... You don't like hot tubs. I'm okay with hot tubs. No, I thought you weren't a hot tub guy. I don't like to be that hot. Yeah. But eh, maybe I'm changing. <laughs> You've, you flip-flopped on hot tubs? I'm a waffler. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, but he says that like whenever they're in the hot tub, they can't talk about simulation theory. I think because then they won't get out and they'll get all pruney. Which is very gross. Yeah. Where was I going with this? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, I guess we should give our... Give our verdicts? Yeah, I guess we should give our final thoughts on simulation theory. All right. Uh, I guess I'll start. Go ahead. Um, I agree with what I think you're going to say. So you don't again, know what I'm going to say, Andy. I don't know what you're going to say. You don't understand my consciousness. My perception of... Don't act like you do. You don't understand me. My perception... And what leads me to believe what you're going to say. I'm a complex, beautiful I agree being. with what I think you'll say. And that's that um, the idea that if, if we are truly part of a simulation, if we could be simulated, that post-humans probably would choose not to. They would make a choice not to do it, not to do it. Because I don't think that it's, it's worth it. It's, it's, there's ethical questions. Uh, and presumably our ethics would would have evolved. So are we living in a simulation? I'm going to say unlikely on a scale of one to 10. Oof. And, and I think big take things like the double slit hot take. I think it just needs more time. We need to understand more about the universe yeah. and eventually things like that will become crystalline. Hmm. That's my take. That's my, I think things are going to become a little bit crystalline light. My take on it. <laughs> Was I supposed to audibly react to that? Yes. Oh. Oh, oh. Crystal light. Yeah, I, I get the reference. The drink mix. Yeah, I get it. Delicious. Um, Dump some powder on this <laughs> podcast. Uh, I don't know, Andy. I don't think we're in agreement again. Uh, wow. Let's let's start from, okay, from a technological standpoint, highly likely out of 10. I think we'll get there. there I, I'm, I'm so convinced that technology, it, it, the insanity by which we rapidly progress every single day 
It's just, it blows my mind. Um, I'll agree with you. If humanity makes it to the point where we can develop this, then yes. I think that from a technological standpoint, will we have the capability? I'll agree. Yes. Oh yeah. It's highly likely. I mean, just look at what we have now. It's, it's, an, it's an almost certainty. Where will we be in 40 years? Blows my mind. Um, I think that, I think you're right that in, in, in post-humans, there will be an ethical debate, but I don't know. I don't know if they'll see it as, I don't know. I don't know if they will, if we will grow, there might be something too much to learn or there might be too much to do, or maybe somewhat, maybe these post-humans will be so unfeeling and so robotic and so whatever that, um, that they don't care if they're hurting these ones and zeros because after they die, we just cease to exist and we're just pieces of code. And it's also, I don't think you can assume that we are the only civilization. What if there's another advanced civilization way past the black hole that they just took a picture of, right? That gets there first. And what if they got there first and they simulated us already? I mean, what if the Anunnaki simulated us already and they're sitting there on Nibiru and they're having a couple of fucking Arnold Palmers? Because Arnold Palmers are ubiquitous. That's the I one, drink. The one goes across constant, the skies. Yeah. Across all dimensions. Uh, what if they're sitting there and they just... Ran a bunch of numbers, a bunch of different systems where they did things differently because they want to see what happens. I don't, I don't think it's safe to assume that we are the only civilization. We are the base reality. But that being said, I do think you make a, a strong argument for how it, I think most people would see it as immoral, but at the same time, I don't know what these post-humans will think. Um, I actually think that post-humans would have more affinity for simulated beings because we've achieved singularity with the machine. I don't know, though. Therefore, would we not be adding that human element of empathy into the machine? I don't think so. I think we we become more machine than man. Hmm. Sometimes. Uh, In certain scenarios where I think you could convince people that it's and also there's no stop, like if the technology existed, what is to stop, like we said, just some company doing it and creating some kind of Westworld environment where you can go and for a Sunday leisure activity, go live in 2019 and I don't know, fucking uh, hang out <laughs> in yeah. Chicago, yeah, get gacked on and Dragged to a bunker. Yeah. <laughs> Go visit a Dr. Pepper castle in your local <laughs> supermarket. So what rating did you give it? You gave it highly unlikely out of 10. I gave it unlikely. I'm going to give it a highly plausible out of 10. Whoa. Highly plausible. Because here's the, here's the other thing though, is even if we are a simulation, does it matter? Our choices still matter, right? We still affect each other. Our consciousnesses, according to our own perceived realities, still feel pain and suffering and, when you're mean to somebody, it hurts and you go home and you cry about it. Especially if you're mean, you read a mean comment on the internet or you, or people just stare at you and say, get out of here, you stupid, ugly freak, which happens a lot to both of us. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that even if you're programmed to behave a certain way, if your perception of your behavior still gives you a choice, then you still bear the weight of the consequences of all of your choices. 
Therefore, even if you're programmed to make a specific choice, if you're not aware of that programming, then you still have free will in that sense. Exactly. Therefore, you still have to deal with any of the consequences by your actions. That's right. We are programmed to think that we have free will. So then we then we have it. Who cares? We have it. Yeah. We have it. I don't um, think it matters if we're in a simulation or not. Yeah, I don't in think a, it in does. A, in a real sense. It matters it matters in in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. In an existence sense, but eh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe and if doesn't. we are, then we are. We are then I'm simulated. If I'm never aware of it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. If it doesn't affect me. Yeah. I I can never truly prove it unless I somehow if I become truly aware, show this shit. Yeah. If I become aware that I'm a simulation, then you're fucked. Then, yeah, suddenly that's that's a game changer. But if I'm unaware, ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. What about you, dear listeners? What do you think? Is ignorance bliss? Does it matter? We're in a simulation. Tell Are us we thoughts. in a simulation? Hashtag simulate this. And tweeted us with hashtag simulate this at Mr. Bunker Pod on Twitter. Let us know what you think about the simulation theory. Let us know about your out-of-body experiences with hashtag gotta get that bod. And tweeted us at Mr. Bunker Pod. Um, <laughs> and let us know about your experiences with VR technology, too. What hashtag will that be? Hashtag VR technology. Oh, that one was much less colorful. <laughs> I ran out of steam. I ran out of code, Andy, but, and much like um, this podcast, we've run out of time. Folks, uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Andy, do you have any last thoughts you want to get out there to the listeners before we, I mean, listen, we're going to go home. Yeah. But this time for sure, we're going to make an effort, right? I hope that the next time you hear from us, it'll be under different circumstances. That's right. You'll hear about us on the news because we've captured Mr. Bunker. And brought him to justice. Brought him to justice, but. Um, but hey, no promises. Things happen. Anyway, for uh, the titular bunker and for my co-host, Andy Hart, this is Arthur Stone saying, that was the whole enchilada. Nummy. <laughs> Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.